0: In this episode, we talk about wargaming in the 20th century, where it leaves the secret confines of high-ranking military circles and comes out to the general public. On to the new age. One of the first wargames to come along in the 20th century was L'Attack, which is French for the attack. What the attack about? It's a... Game between exactly two players who start with similar armies on a square grid board, but the similarities with chess sort of end there. The square grid board has spies, bombs, and two impassable lakes. Does that sound familiar? It sounds a lot of like Tartigo. Letak was actually designed by Mademoiselle Hermance edan I may have just butchered her name. She filed a patent for, in her words, a battle game with mobile players pieces on a game board on November 26, 1908, and she marketed it herself until 1930 or so. The patent was released by the French Patent Office in 1909, and some people say it was derived from a Chinese children's game called Jungle from the ancient world. It is regarded as the inspiration for Stratego.
1: You were right, Ed. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, when you have bombs on a
0: square board, you're talking about Stratego. Many sources referred to the designer of Stratego as jacques Johann Mogendorf, a sales representative for animal pelts. And as far as we know, he never left the Netherlands except when he had to go leave the country on business for his animal pelts. He invented Stratego, which was with rules that were admittedly similar to La during World War II at the kitchen table to entertain his two sons. Now, in 1942, the trade brand Stratego was registered in the Netherlands, but since Mogendorf was Jewish, he could not register the game under his name during the Nazi occupation. In 1944, the Mogendorf family was deported to the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp in Germany and held there until the release on April 13, 1945. And in 1947, Stratego was published for the first time.
1: Even though he designed the game during World War II, he didn't get the game
0: out to the public until 1947? That's right. In 1961, the game was launched by Royal Jumbo with its Napoleonic theme with great success in America. LaTac did merge with two other games in a way that heralded the coming of combined arms to warfare. Dover Patrol in 1919 was a game very much like Stratego, except that the pieces all represented ships instead of infantry, with ranks of one for a patrol vessel and ten for the flagship. They also threw in Aviation, the aerial tactics game of attack and defense, which and combined with Dover Patrol and L- Attack were packaged together in a three-game package. So you had both land, air, and sea. Yes. It was published all together with the name of the package, Tri-Tactics, in 1932. This is a development that I can find no other reference to anything like that of three totally separate games representing three totally different modes of warfare into one package.
1: So did he play on the same grid or were you playing on three separate boards?
0: The three games were sold as a combination of three separate games. So this was the first combo pack of three games. That's right. During World War II and in the decade that followed, war games seemed awfully thin on the ground. But infantryman Charles Swan Roberts, the father of modern wargaming, was on his way to change all that.
1: Ah, yes. There is a Wargaming Award named the C.S. Roberts Award. Many prestigious games have gotten this award.
0: I have a game called Tactics as the first one designed by by C.S. Roberts. That was in 1952. Took him a couple of years to release it. Then he founded the Avalon Game Company, which later became Avalon Hill.
1: Oh, Avalon Hill, yes. Many of the
0: bookcase games are well known. The specific use of wargaming as trying to simulate the circumstances of a specific historical battle. What proportion of those would you say were made by Avalon Hill?
1: I would say back in that day, it was either Avalon Hill or SBI that had most of the games of war games of that period. And most of them modeled a specific battle. Although some, like Tactics, was deemed as a more general game. So you could model different actual battles. The copy of the
0: box cover of the game Tactics shows that Roberts was truly dedicated to creating something that truly broke new ground, and he wasn't confining his focus to the secluded halls of military tacticians. The copy says, The new realistic land army war game, designed and perfected by an infantry officer. A war game with the professional touch. Actual principles of war apply. A real mental exercise. An excellent gift for the chess and checkers type. Tactics was the first cardboard counter commercial board war game intended to accurately simulate warfare and command. Uh, Robert sold Tactics by mail order out of a garage in Avalon, Maryland, with an initial print run of about 2,000.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so many great things start in the garage, don't they? The game's
0: conflict takes place between two hypothetical countries. It includes infantry, armor, and airborne forces. The term for that is combined arms having all different types of forces in the battle. The game was played on a square grid rather than today's hex-based style maps, which, of course, later became preferred. Hexes. I love hexes. Hey, because you can go
1: into uh, six different directions instead of four, and it modeled distance better than a square grid if you're moving diagonally.
0: I've always liked how a hex map would encourage the player, to have all of his units be checking their (laughs) six. A few years later, Roberts broke new ground again. He didn't just present customers with an opportunity to match wits against each other. He intended to do this in the context of specific military struggles of the past. Since it was now 1861, the 100th anniversary of the American Civil War, he designed a troika of games, all released that year, based on battles set in that time period. Civil War... Gettysburg, and Chancellorsville.
1: There are many Civil War buffs today, and I imagine at that time, the first chance to recreate these battles with cardboard on hex grids was exciting. So he did three games in the Civil War, all in his garage. These are many of the most classic games of war game in history. Now,
0: Gettysburg came out very, very close to the same time, the same year, I believe, Is one of the earliest war games that today's gamers might immediately recognized as a war game with movement strength counters order of appearance chart and combat resolution tables the crt as we call it gettysburg came out in 1958 and they updated it in 1961 replacing the squares with hexagons they gave you better odds for firing from a flank artillery had double the range of infantry or cavalry, and just as Gettysburg was improving, so would Wargaming as a whole. There were optional rules for hidden movement. Gettysburg comes in a classic thin box that has the paper mat
1: and cardboard counters, a combat resolution table, and, of
0: course, dice to look up the results on the CRT. Gettysburg now seems to be in the public domain. It was published in the U.S. before 1978, and although there was a copyright notice, it does not seem to have been renewed. Civil War buffs sometimes say that if a new version of the game is ever released, a rule that marching on a road speeds troop movement might be a good idea. In 1980, Wargaming entered a brand new era of miniature gaming in a fantasy setting that came charging, raging, and roaring up under a company called Warhammer. Seven years later, a futuristic sci-fi version of Warhammer took off in an even bigger way. This war game has very conceptual artwork suggesting a post-apocalyptic Neo-Goth universe. Also known as 40K. It is almost certainly the most profitable miniature war game ever.
1: It was definitely a step up from the uh, the bucket of army med back in the day. Warhammer and Warhammer 40K. Now we're getting into miniature gaming where we have miniatures instead of cardboard counters on a map, and we're measuring things out with rulers now and rolling buckets of dice to determine the results. I mean, these games are well-known for
0: buckets of dice. You still use templates that are made of cardboard, right? In
1: some cases, yes, for area of effects. Uh Uh-huh. You have the one-inch diameter plates. Also, you get up to the really big one, the three-inch pie plate, as we call it. So when you use the pie plate, you're basically putting this big thing on the table, covering up the board, and anybody underneath it is being hit by the blast.
0: Something I always found fascinating about Warhammer is how much the outcome of your game could depend on your intuition. Don't you estimate and eyeball the battlefield before you decide what you're going to use? That
1: was a common rule in, in the day where you had to get, oh, I think my troop can charge nine inches and hopefully, I think they are within those nine inches and you run up and you shut, oh, they're actually 10 inches. They're just out of range. Ugh. Warhammer was fun. You, you, basically, there's two guys battling off with... Um, usually either a thousand point or two thousand point army, depending on how big a battle you want to play. Because you can play a battle in a half an hour with a few hundred points, or you can play all day with a two thousand
0: point army. And sometimes you have more than two people play, right? You can in teams. Through the uh, 20th century, war games became more detailed and complex along with actual military science. However, in the latter half of the 20th century, some actually began to be produced with simpler rule sets to accommodate some of the games that were made not to reflect battles, but rather to reflect entertainment products. Simpler war games? Who brought this blasphemy upon us? Well, you can thank Bernard Cornwell for Sharp's Attack in 1996. What was Sharp's Attack about? Sharp's Attack features the main character of Bernard Cornwell's Famous series of novels set in the Napoleonic Wars. Sharps leads his troops, battles the French, mixes it up with ladies and spies. This edition has dozens of plastic frames which hold small cards illustrated with characters from the TV series. One side is British and one side is French. And there are still, after all this, still Kriegspiel enthusiasts who enjoy playing the game. And we have come full circle back to Kriegspiel. The British site Two Fat Lardies T O O F A T L A R D I E S dot C O dot UK. That is a place to get games derived from Kriegspiel. And com is a site devoted to the history of Kriegspiel and meetings to play the game. The site is run by a group of UK-based Kriegspielers. They meet approximately six times a year in Little Gaddeston, Hertfordshire and they post the dates when they are scheduled to play. I love how the internet brings
1: these old games back to the forefront, like it did for Shogi. Good games never truly die. Thanks for listening, everybody.